You're listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life, it's episode 128. It is our post-SummerSlam and post-NXT Brooklyn show. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We're here to run down the nearly 14 hours of television that WWE produced over SummerSlam weekend with TakeOver, Raw, SmackDown. Count the pre-shows in there. Pretty pretty close to 14 hours or so of live television that WWE produced over a four-day period. And overall, big picture, we'll talk about each show individually, I suppose, but what were your thoughts? Were you left with a positive impression of WWE and pro wrestling after that four-day stint in Barclays, Liam? Uh, I think there was more good than bad. Um, it's always going to be tough, and that's that's such a dead horse, but you have to keep beating it because it's actively hurting the product, I think. Uh, it's too much, you know, following up of... Uh, if you watch the pre-show, uh, a six-hour SummerSlam with a three-hour Raw and then a two-hour SmackDown. And then if you watched uh, NXT, that's another hour there. 205 Live last night, they did a Cruiserweight title match. So, if you're, uh, you know, that would be another hour there. Um, it's it's too much. I mean, I think it's too much for any for anybody to, to really keep track of it all. And I know they've kind of talked, and Triple H and Stephanie have basically said that they – want people to kind of start picking and choosing what they watch on, on, on the network. It's their kind of never ending thing where they want to compare them themselves to Netflix where, you know, they, we don't expect everybody to watch everything on the network, but you know, we want to give them a lot of variety in what they can watch. So, um, yeah, so too much, too much, I think for, for most normal wrestling fans to watch, but the good stuff was really, really good. So I can't, say that I have a negative opinion uh, coming out of it. What about you? Uh, on the whole, I believe you're right. There was probably more positive stuff than negative, but I was so burnt out on wrestling by Monday night even. Uh, SummerSlam just killed me. And there was a lot of good stuff on that. Well, there was some good... Nah, there was a little bit of good stuff on that show. <laughs> uh, but still, I just... I. <sighs> I, I don't know of another way to say it or to say it in a different way or a more interesting way of putting it or a more insightful uh, way of putting it, but I'll, I'll just... six, six hours is too long for anyone to do anything. It's generally why movies are like two hours, why most sporting events are three hours or less. Six hours is too much for anything, and six hours right. of summer, SummerSlam is ridiculous. I will just say... This one, uh, SummerSlam, compared to the last couple of main roster shows, which were uh, the Punjabi Prison show, and then there was uh, the show that had Brock and Joe in the main event, but then like the undercard was just like a thousand heel wins and like no good matches. So compared to those two shows, which I kind of actively hated by the time they were over, this one I didn't actively hate, which seemed like a win uh, for WWE, all things considered. The takeover show with in Brooklyn on Saturday night kicked off the weekend, and that was an awesome show. It went in about two hours and twenty minutes or so, and everything on it was good. Some of it was fantastic. 
And if you wanted to say that the Oscar Ember Moon match was the best match of the weekend, I would not strongly argue with you. I did enjoy the main event of SummerSlam more, I think. But if you wanted to say that was the best match of the weekend, I wouldn't disagree with you. If you want to say the Johnny Gargano match was the best match of the weekend, I wouldn't disagree with you. What were your thoughts on the TakeOver show? And uh, a couple of uh, of title switches. Actually, yeah, two title switches there. Uh, it was a great show. Um, it's they, they pretty much always are, but this one especially, I don't think there was anything even approaching bad on this show. I think everything was at least good. Um, even things that we were kind of on our, on our pre-show weren't really, weren't really sure about like the, uh, the kind of all heel, uh, sanity versus officers of pain match, uh, ended up being great uh, or at least very good. Um, a lot doing in part. And I mean, breaking news, Eric young is a really good professional wrestler and, uh, boy, it just makes, it makes you scratch your head. How a company who's based in Orlando, Florida, had that guy under contract for, like, 13 years and just, like, made him a big dork for basically all of the time there. And then he goes to NXT, he gets a gimmick change, and they let him just be a good wrestler. And, hey, he's really good. It's funny how that works sometimes. Um, that's right, uh, intern Archie. Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> No, that's our that's our new intern Archie letting me know to control my volume. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, I thought it was a very good show. Uh, the Johnny Gargano match is awesome. Johnny Gargano is the best babyface in wrestling, maybe just the best guy in wrestling. Um, and uh, yeah, the Oscar Ember Moon match was was really good. Um, it's funny. But... Okay, Ar- I'm sorry. I'll be quiet. Um, Ar- he was just, Archie was just agreeing with you. Okay, thank thank you, Archie. Um, and uh, yeah, the Oscar Ember Moon match. I actually watched that match twice because I watched it once and just thought, yeah, that was that was really good. And then I saw people on Twitter saying it was the best, like the best WWE women's match in years, and some other stuff. And so I went back and watched it a second time, and it's very good. I don't think I liked it quite as much as the rest of the world did, but I mean, it was still awesome. And uh, it's a really good show. And obviously the, the big news being the the ROH stable that is formed of Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish that uh, stood tall over both the ta- the new tag champions in Sanity and uh, the new NXT champion, Drew McIntyre. So, yeah, it was a great show. It was a newsworthy show. Um, really nothing I can say negative about it. Other than that, I would really prefer if someone could tell Aleister Black and Hideo Itami that wrestling is fake. But uh, aside from that, I I enjoyed the show greatly. Didn't enjoy their strong style kickboxing battle? I I mean, in a way I did, and I appreciate the effort they're putting into it. But at the same time, that style of wrestling, I mean, you know, uh, Katsuhiro Shibata just came out. At the uh, at the end of the G one a few weeks ago, to announce basically, that, oh hey, by the way, I'm still alive. After he did that style of wrestling for a long time and nearly you know ended up paralyzed or or worse, so so I would just like to see guys be able to not, you know, I'd like to see guys be able to like have functioning, you know, lives after they're forty. So not a not a giant fan of that style of wrestling. 
And that's that's probably a broader topic for a later date. I think the sort of glorification of that style of wrestling, even by people that we respect, like the Dave Meltzer's, Brian Alvarez's of the world, might be teetering on a little bit of irresponsibility uh, at this point. Not that it's, look, it's the rest. I know the easiest thing to do is say it's the wrestler's decision if they want to do that style of wrestling. Uh, as long as they're not being, you know, super, super overtly dangerous, that aren't you know, any really hard shots to the head, then it's their business what they do with their bodies. I get that, but I think maybe it would be best if we stopped encouraging guys to, to you know, to kick each other as hard as they can in the chest and the legs and the arms and the head. Maybe, maybe that would just be best for everybody if we if we stopped encouraging that. I don't know. Am I am I being overly dramatic here? No. Not when Shibata almost died. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, it didn't. It didn't strike me as a particularly dangerous match, just because they were hitting each other in relatively safe places. But to your point of, well, they were really hitting each other, and even the thing that has been bugging me lately is the hard slaps across the face, and I don't remember yes. there being a. I don't remember there being a ton of those in that match, but I think there were a couple. And, I mean, if you go up and down any WWE show, at least one match, and on pay-per-view, more than one, will probably have a hard slap to the face at some point. And Jericho is a real big offender of, on, on that front uh, to me. It's just slapping people across the face for real. It's like you're jarring the brain. I can't believe they haven't cut they haven't cut that out. Um but, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't find the Atami Black uh, match to be particularly egregious, but your point stands, and I'm sure there there was some stuff in there that maybe I just wasn't paying attention to that is worth calling them out for. And I completely agree with you on the point of wrestling journalists glorifying that style. It's what has been going on for 20, 30 years and um you know praising every new japan show the way that those guys treat their bodies is uh yeah i think it is irresponsible so um well that was takeover uh title title change in the main event no title change with asuka but asuka uh, broke her collarbone i'm assuming that's a shoot and that's not storyline and do you think they'll take the title off asuka and i guess we'll talk more about bobby Roode once we get into smackdown but uh, what are your what are your thoughts on Drew McIntyre being kind of so Oscar and your thoughts on McIntyre who I'm just kind of met on? Uh, yeah, the Oscar thing certainly seems legit. I mean, they I mean I think they she tweeted a picture of her X-ray and everything. So generally, if it was a storyline thing, uh, I think they that that's an extreme amount of effort to do just to fool you know a small percentage of your audience. Um. So it certainly seems legit. Now, I mean, I believe that the timetable they gave was about six to eight weeks. So you could just, I mean, I I definitely, I mean, if it's going to be longer, if it's going to end up being like six months or something, then yeah, I guess you probably have to just strip her of the title. But I mean, if it's, if it's, I would say even less than three months, it's worth just holding off and letting her come back and you build to her big comeback match against the winner of the May Young Classic or 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 you build up for a third match. If you want to say, you know, in storyline, you can say that, you know, the 
Ember's finishing move, which they were trying to get over as um, kind of super dangerous and, and deadly and can injure people. You could say that it was Ember's, the, the eclipse that, that broke her collarbone and can try to build up for one last rematch between Ember Moon and Asuka. So, I mean, yeah, if it's a relatively short uh, injury or recovery time, I would say you don't need to do anything uh, immediately. But I guess, so I guess really right now it's more of a, a wait and see type of thing. And what are your thoughts on McIntyre and Cole being the top program in NXT going forward? I'm all in on Cole and I'm meh on McIntyre. Yeah, pretty pretty much that. Um, I, I mean, obviously, uh, McIntyre's a great athlete. He's got a good look, but um, he hasn't really wowed me with uh, with his promos or really with much of his in-ring since he's been back. Nothing bad, nothing offensive. He's just... Oh, okay. Apparently, our intern, Archie, is a big Drew, Drew McIntyre fan. I apologize. But, uh, now I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with him, but to me, he kind of screams he's the transitional champion. Which is what? I'm sorry, Archie. I'm just—it's just the truth. How dare you use that type of language? Um, just turn into Baldville over here. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, I mean, it's, that's generally what Triple H does in NXT. He has the babyface win the title, hold it for a month or two, and then they take it to the next heel, who then holds it for, an, you know, the next six months and. Obviously, based on that finish, the big deal that they wanted you to get out of that the end of that NXT show was not, we have a new NXT champion. The big deal was Adam Cole is here, and you know so are his two buddies. Um, so, just based on the way they booked that finish, it seemed very clear that he's probably the transitional champion to then get the belt to, to Adam Cole. Um, which I'm fine with, because Adam Cole is really good, and uh, I don't know what took them so long to uh, to figure out that he was so good. I guess they didn't really have a choice because he was under contract to ROH for the last couple of years. But uh, pretty pretty fun. Uh, we've probably shared the stories before, but uh, you know ROH used to tape down in a small area in Baltimore very regularly in a small indoor soccer field, and you and I uh, went to several of those tapings and. Saw guys like Adam Cole and and Kevin Owens and the Young Bucks and some of these guys that are you know just really big giant stars, uh, you know back in like 2010 2011. So pretty cool to say, hey, I saw saw them in front of 150 or 200 people, and now they're going to be, you know, now he'll be in eventually be in arenas of you know 10 or 20 thousand people. So definitely very happy for Adam Cole and. He's talented too, so you know it's nice when it's like a nice. He seems like a nice guy, and he's also incredibly talented. So it's uh, it's cool. And NXT, I think, is probably a thousand percent more interesting now than it was a week ago. Even I would agree with you there. It felt reinvigorated to me after the show. Uh, SummerSlam had a lot of title changes as well. The SmackDown tag titles changed on the pre-show. The Cruiserweight title changed uh, on the pre-show. <laughs> <laughs> the SmackDown women's title changed. The Raw women's title changed. The Raw tag titles changed. Am I missing any here? A lot of title changes on SummerSlam in that six-hour show. But the Universal title 
and the world title stayed put. Uh, without going down that entire six-hour show, because I don't want to be here for six hours tonight, uh, what stood out, you, stood out to you as being some of the best stuff on SummerSlam? Did anything over-deliver? Did anything under-deliver? Under what jumps out at you? Um, as far as over-delivering, I'd say that uh, you know, that New Day and Usos match, I think it's, I mean, probably the best pre-show match in WWE history. I mean, they've been doing these pre-show matches for... I mean, at least as long as the network has been around. I think they were doing them on YouTube for a little bit before that as well. So uh, that match was incredible. Um, not a lot of pre-show matches get 20 minutes and get to do tons of near falls and, and crazy spots and dives and everything. And But, yeah, these those those uh, four guys, really five, because Xavier, uh, or I'm sorry, Kofi was the one on the outside, uh, got involved as well. So just great performers they work well together um they had a really they had the best match the last smackdown show and were the only good match in the last smackdown uh show and uh they had another great match here so i thought that was great um thought the raw tag title match was really really great and it's a rare example in 2017 of a good story that was told with the reunion of dean and seth followed up by a happy ending they didn't. They didn't have Cesaro and Sheamus just win here, and then oh well, you know we'll give them the titles next month once everybody stopped caring. Uh, they built them up. They got them on the same page. They gave them the titles. I uh, I was very happy with that. And Seth Rollins got to show why you know for a long time we we used to tell each other, man, is he the best babyface in you know in on the main roster? And he certainly looked it in the, the last couple minutes of that, that Raw tag title match, I thought. Uh, also really enjoyed the, the the Raw women's title match, which I guess not, uh, not a lot of people did, apparently. Uh, I thought it was like maybe maybe the best match Alexa Bliss has ever had. Um, I liked I, the match where she beat Bailey for the title was also, I thought, very good. But those are probably like those to me. That was the only other match I've ever that's ever stood out to me. That's an Alexa Bliss match that stood out as good. Um, not that she's terrible or anything, but as a worker, I don't think she's particularly good either. So the fact that it was even just pretty good stuck out to me as, hey, this might be like the best Alexa Bliss match of all time. Um, yeah. So I, 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 those are probably the three undercard matches that that stick out. And then the main event was pretty much utter utter chaos and everything you'd want from uh those four guys uh a lot of fun uh any anything particular stand out to you uh seth's baby face work as you uh as you mentioned there yeah right before they turned the shield baby face and he was a heel and they were wrestling the wyatts is really when uh and they were kind of the baby faces in, in those matches by default uh, and yeah, we used to watch his baby face stuff and go like, Oh man, this guy's incredible. Well, it's three years later now or whatever. And, and the dude is still incredible. The dude is still an incredible baby face. And I feel like maybe he can sustain, uh, that level of work a little bit better doing high spots and tag matches rather than doing 30 dives and singles matches all the time. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed the raw tag title match. And, uh, yeah, the Universal title main event was really, really good. Really good. Um, just what just what that show needed. And Archie agrees with me. Um, 
I thought the Raw women's match was technically fine, but I thought the lot of lack of crowd heat hurt it. And you could argue that just the way that they book hurt it. Um, I don't know, but that, that Brooklyn crowd, I mean, part of me is like, I don't blame them. Um, when WWE, we have touched on this briefly the last couple of weeks that we've, and, um, just the fact that WWE really isn't doing faces and heels right now. They're doing a shades of gray kind of thing. And Alexa's a heel that's booked as a strong baby face. And Sasha's a baby face that is kind of just naturally a, a better heel. And just by virtue of her delivery, all of her promos are heel promos, unless she's shouting out Ric Flair. Um, yeah. And Braun is a baby face and a heel. I don't know. Do you blame? At, at what point do you blame the crowd for going into business for themselves? At what point do you blame the way WWE is telling stories now for some of the the beach ball stuff and some of the reactions that we saw over the, over the weekend? I mean, to me, it was the placement of the beach ball stuff that didn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, they didn't. I mean, if you want to say, okay, they pulled it out during the John Cena rows are like the two guys that we hate and we don't want them on top. Like, you could probably make that argument. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, like, it came out during the, the Raw tag title match, which was awesome. And, obviously, uh, unfortunately, I think they made it worse by Cesaro going into the crowd getting getting the beach ball. I think it just kind of encouraged people and – the news came out today that I guess WWE will be banning beach balls from all future events. Um, it's going to be tough to, I mean, it's, I mean, I guess, but if you're like the type of person that's going to sneak in a beach ball or several beach balls to a wrestling event, you're probably, <laughs> you're probably like already figuring out ways you can do that without, um, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess the idea is now, if you're if you're caught doing it, you'll be thrown out officially. Um, but I I don't know. It just to me, it's like you pull it out during a Finn Balor match. That's not, and people can say, oh, it's you know, it was because Jason Jordan is in that match. It's like, but that's you know, that's not like how WWE's gonna see that though. They're gonna go, oh, it was the match with the little guy who's you know who's you know he's just not over the skinny kid can't get over i mean who you know they're gonna give the big giant muscle man three billion chances to get over um the the smaller guys or the less you know guys like samoa joe are going to not get as many opportunities uh to get over if wwe sees fans you know basically turning on their matches so I don't know, man. My thought is if you pay as much money as you probably pay to go sit and watch wrestling, you should probably watch wrestling and not play with beach balls. Um, you know, I'm all for chanting and, and doing stuff like that. But and, and if your idea is, oh, it's it's a protest chant or it's a protest thing. Just don't don't buy tickets. Don't don't sell out the arena. When WWE announces they're coming, don't sell out WrestleMania next year, and or, you know maybe not sell it out, but don't don't you know they sell you know forty thousand tickets to WrestleMania every year. Um, I don't know, maybe just stop buying tickets, stop buying merchandise if you don't if you don't like the way WWE is presenting their television. I think that's probably going to be more effective than uh, you know 
throwing a beach ball around. That's that's just me though. Um, I don't I don't know. I feel I I feel I become a cranky old man telling everyone to just shut up and enjoy the show. And that's not what I'm saying. You obviously have the right to cheer, boo, or react to what WWE is presenting to you in the way that you want to as a paying customer. But to me, it's it just there's a certain level where like what is playing with a beach ball teaching them about about their about their show or what is that telling them about what they should change on their show i don't i don't quite get the message i guess and uh raw it was a little bit we got a, a strong tease of a john cena roman reigns feud at some point and we got lesnar and stroman announced for no mercy are you surprised a that they've started building to roman and cena potentially already do you see that being on that no mercy show are you surprised that they're going with uh, Strowman and Lesnar on that show um I mean I think I actually predicted it was going to be Strowman and Lesnar last week on our show so hashtags you did um until of course you laid out the the John Cena option but um I mean it's it's kind of surprising when they generally, when they have a five-week build, they usually, like, take two weeks off and then start promoting the show with, like, two or three weeks left. So maybe that we got it so far, got it announced so far uh, so far out is a little surprising. Um, not a bad thing, just maybe a little surprising. Um, and, yeah, the, the surprise, I mean, I think it's fine to tease uh, Roman and Cena now. I think it's very interesting. I mean, I think it would be kind of weird if they just had that on a random raw show in September. I mean, I feel like well, it's not like either one of them were really doing anything all that important at SummerSlam. So if you wanted that to, I mean, if you would think if it was just something, well, we got to do it now because, you know, Cena's schedule doesn't line up for next year's mania or whatever. They would have just done it at SummerSlam if that was the case. But um, I could see this being kind of a long build and, and maybe, it may be Survivor Series. They they could at least hold it off to you know one of the big four shows. And if you are trying to really make all four of those shows, uh, you know it, the, the the big four pay per views into the big shows, you know, kind of give one big main event to all four of those pay per views every year. I think is you know it's not the worst idea. Obviously, you had Goldberg and Brock last year, and Cena and Roman headlining this year would obviously fit that bill. So. uh yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, so I guess to answer your question, uh, I would not do it immediately. Uh, I'm obviously I'm I'm very intrigued by the idea of a John Cena Samoa Joe match, but uh, which they sort of tease on on Monday, and obviously those guys have legitimate history with them kind of breaking into the business together. But uh, I, I guess it's more of a wait and see thing. Did you have any idea of, of where you, or an inkling of where you think they're going based on the on the main event of Monday? I thought that was more of a um, planting a seed in our minds than doing anything. I don't, I don't know. Who, who knows, though? Because Roman, um, or Joe, rather, Joe was teaming with The Miz on Monday. So it's like, all right, Joe's done, done as a main eventer, and he's back down in the mid-card with The Miz. I think Joe might end up Intercontinental Champion coming out of some of that feud. Since they don't do faces and heels anymore... Joe Joe might uh, get Jason Jordan's spot in the in the Miz feud and take the Intercontinental title from the Miz, which I don't know. I mean, I guess there's worse things. 
Yeah, I mean, as as you've mentioned, there's there's a lot of characters who really went heel or went face this year without really doing any kind of turn. Uh, you know, AJ Styles or uh, you know Randy Orton. At, you know, his turn was setting a guy's house on fire. I think. Yes. But they're basically. I mean, they're basically they're the same character, whether they're babyface or heels, and that certainly would be the case. I think for Samoa Joe. Um, certainly is the case for Braun Strowman um, and some of these other guys who, even though they may, they don't really technically have the Usos, for instance, uh, as we get, we'll talk about SmackDown in a minute here, but just guys who, you know, they basically they cut promos and, you know, maybe they cheat a little in their matches if they're technically heels, but for the most part, they just, they get cheered wildly and, you know, they, you know, the WWE cuts to people, with signs for them when they're walking down the ring. So it's not as if, uh, you know, they're ignoring the fact that people are cheering uh, Joe or Strowman or guys like that. So, yeah, it's, it is a very interesting time as far as there's a lot of guys whose characters are are or would be pretty much the same whether or not they're technically baby faces or heels, and you can kind of just slide them in, into either role and it kind of works. SmackDown saw the debut of Bobby Roode, more Shane, Kevin Owens, AJ Styles storyline stuff. It seemed to me that aside from Bobby Roode's debut that they kind of punted on SmackDown. Um, what do you make of Bobby Roode's debut there? Do you see him being slotted into a top role? Do you see Nakamura and Jinder? I mean, obviously that feud's continuing. Do you think Nakamura ends up with the title out of that? Have they given up on Nakamura? What is going on with Rusev? And uh, did you, like me, get bored about 90 minutes into SmackDown on Tuesday? Yeah, um, I think the show pretty much peaked with, with Rude's uh, debut. There was there was some fine stuff. I liked the Usos promo after their match. I liked uh, the main event was fine. Um, see, my thing was they, they teased very strongly that Sami Zayn was going to be the ref with the idea that for the storyline, Owens believes that he can beat AJ Styles if he just had a fair ref. And even though he hates Sami Zayn, he knows that Sami Zayn is a good, honorable person and would be a fair ref. So I actually thought that would be like a really interesting story to tell for that main event. If you're going to do the, the, the guest ref BS and instead they got Baron Corbin who just bad, bad, bad week for that fella. And, uh, Don't don't ever go on Twitter, anybody. If you are if you plan on getting a job for WWE, don't ever just don't have a Twitter. Just don't Um, tweet. Nobody ever tweet. It's not. We shouldn't either. (laughs) It's a disease. Um, But uh, so I thought they took what could have been maybe a little bit more of an intriguing main event uh, and made it less so. And then yes, you added in more Shane McMahon stuff. Um which uh, I did not care for. So yeah, I I would say that the the show kind of peaked with uh, with the Bobby Roode debut. Um certainly seems like he's a the guy there they're pretty high on. He got he got the big entrance. All three announcers treated it like a really big giant deal. Um so it uh, I thought I thought it was pretty well done. Maybe you could have you could argue that he shouldn't uh they should have been a little bit more dominant since he was wrestling Aiden English, but 
Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he's slotted. And and speaking of guys who kind of would basically play the same character, whether they're in a baby face or heel slot, I think that that kind of goes for Rude as well. Um, maybe he would cut one or two less. Uh, it's all about me, not about you fans promos. But for the most part, the, the glorious shtick is basically a baby face gimmick already. Um, so it'll be interesting to see like who he's slotted against. They seem to sort of be implying these. I got from, uh, that from the promo that, uh, my, uh, my second least favorite person on SmackDown, Dolph Ziggler cut that it's going to be Ziggler and root coming out of this. Um, I don't know that for sure, obviously, but I, that just seems like he's the guy that they slot people with that they actually think are worth something. Uh, just to be like an easy beatable first opponent, but uh, we'll see. I, yeah, I thought SmackDown was just kind of okay with the exception of the Rude debut. And uh, gender. Do you have any? Oh. Gender, do you have any gender vitriol or champion? Right. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm 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 really sick of uh, of watching the exact same match. Uh, on every SmackDown main event, uh, every pay-per-view main event for SmackDown, which is they do a little bit of stuff, then Jinder grabs a hold, and they sit in chin lock for five minutes. A lot of squeezing. A lot of squeezing. (laughs) Then a babyface makes the comeback. Then the Singh brothers run in, and babyface gets distracted like an idiot, and Jinder hits his terrible finish, sometimes while botching his own finish. And uh, and then Jinder wins. Uh, just I'm bored. Uh, obviously, I I I've, I haven't made it a secret. I'm not a fan of the Jinder push. It didn't make sense to me when it started. It still doesn't make sense to me now. And it's just it's bo- I'm bored, man. I just every time he's on the show, it's just not interesting to me. And I like he's got a cool entrance and he's good at scowling. And I understand like what what they're doing, and that they think they can monetize India, even though nobody can monetize India. And but I just it's just it's not it doesn't make for good TV. So yeah, I really hope that Nakamura beats him. I think you could tell though between the reaction that Nakamura got Sunday night and the reaction he got Tuesday that you're gonna run the risk, I think, of burning people out. Or people are going to kind of stop treating him as something special if he if he if he doesn't eventually win that title from from Jinder. I think I think he's you run the risk of him feeling of Nakamura feeling a little less special. I have not read the Wrestling Observer this week. What's going on with Rusev? Uh, the story that was going around was that he had asked for his release, and so he was basically beaten very soundly. But I uh, I don't know that that's been confirmed anywhere yet. Um, so I don't uh, I don't I don't really know. It's I mean that would certainly track considering he he wrestled Brandy Orton for what two minutes and then the actual before the bell rang and then when the bell rang he just got hit by, with an RKO and lost. So I mean it's either to me it's either he's leaving. And they're going to repackage him again, or, or maybe he's out of there. I don't know. Um, it would certainly be a shame. I mean, 
be one of the most unceremonious comebacks in uh, in history. Came back, lost to John Cena, had a a thirty second match on on SummerSlam, and then he's out of here. Um, I don't know, but uh, I mean, Randy Orton wasn't on the show on Tuesday either, so it's it's kind of unclear to me what's what's going on with that situation. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that any of these three guys should have lost on Sunday, but Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and Randy Orton, who are like three of the last four stars that WWE made with Batista being the other one, all won their matches on SummerSlam on Sunday. These are all guys that debuted on the main roster in 2002. It's 15 years of Brock, Orton, and Cena, and they all won at SummerSlam. Like, we gotta get we gotta get some new blood, man. Like, it's there. It's there. They just don't push it. They just don't push it. And I'm not saying Baron Corbin should have beaten John Cena. Baron Corbin sucks. And, you know, you can argue whether or not Rusev should have beaten Randy Orton. I don't necessarily think that he should have. But, And I think it's probably good to keep the title on Brock right now. But, I mean, in all of those matches, you could you could argue that, the other guy, that another guy should have won, whether it's Strowman in the Universal title match or theoretically putting a young guy over Cena or putting Rusev over Orton. Like, if it's not those guys, then why are they wrestling those guys? What about a magical alternate universe where John Cena and Shinsuke Nakamura got to have, like, a 30-minute awesome match on the SummerSlam card and didn't wrestle for eight minutes on SmackDown so that Jinder could then go and job... I mean, so that Nakamura could go then and job to Jinder Mahal. Uh, That sounds nice. And then Jinder could wrestle, I don't know, Mojo Raleigh or somebody. Baron Corbin, if the title doesn't mean anything, if it's just a prop and we're just putting it on Jinder because he's from India, then why why not? We'll just have Baron Corbin wrestle for the title. What's the difference? Yeah, I don't know, man. It's <laughs> But yes, the idea that, that Cena, Cena, especially with the way they treat Cena, is that you don't know how long he's got left, basically, which is a super weird thing to tell a guy, talk about a guy who you're still protecting as strongly as you are. Um... But uh, so it's like, yeah, he so on the on these giant stages, on these big four shows, yeah, he should be matched with a guy that you want to, you know, to to be the next John Cena or to be a next big top guy. And instead, they just had him beat (laughs) a guy they're mad at. They just so they just had him, uh, you know, they had him beat Baron Corbin and whatever's going on with Rusev. They just had Randy Orton beat him because, well. It's Randy Orton, and that's what we do with Randy Orton. And Randy had to lose three times to Jinder, so he should get, so he deserves to get a win on pay per view. I guess I I don't know anymore, man. I but. I can't I can't let go of this. It, it's fifteen years. It'd be the equivalent of Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, and Roddy Piper winning on pay per view in two thousand. Only worse because those guys weren't on TV every week in the eighties. They they didn't wrestle every week on TV until the mid-90s. So it's like, hey, actually, there was a promotion that had Hulk Hogan, Randy right. Savage, and Roddy Piper <laughs> win matches on pay-per-view in 1998, 1999, 2000. Hey, what happened to them, you know? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to go down that road too much because, like I'm saying, I'm not arguing that anyone should have, that, you know, the other guy should have won any of those matches on Sunday. But then, ugh. But you could argue there are people that, that, that they could have, pro- like, right, if you... If you pretend it's a world where like the booking makes more sense and is good and the people that are more talented 
are pushed to top spots rather than, you know, just people that are tall, then yeah, you could say there's a guy, there's a guy in that company that should have, that could and should have been programmed with John Cena for SummerSlam and, and could and should have beaten him then. There's a guy, even if it's not Rusev or Baron Corbin, that should have been programmed with Randy Orton for SummerSlam that could have beaten Randy Orton and gotten a big win there. It's absolutely, you're absolutely right on that. And it's, it is pretty staggering when you, when you point out 2002, I was nine years old when those three men debuted on, on, on WWE television. And they've basically, obviously Brock took the years off to, to go be a UFC guy, but it's, they've pretty consistently been on television for all of that time. So, yeah, that's that's pretty damning for them, I think. And something they're they're either going to address it or they're going to one day be forced to address it when they look around, when those three when those three guys are gone and they're kind of out of out of, you know, quote unquote, real stars. And they go, what what happened? Um, well, I mean, they're going to have to address it or, you know. Or they'll be doomed to repeat history. That's that's kind of the only options, right? I think so. I think so. Well, we've gone quite a long time here recapping a very long wrestling weekend. Uh, of course, coming up here, we have the big matchup that everyone on Earth is talking about. It's Sasha Banks defending her Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss on Raw Monday. Uh, actually... It's Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather, which I know there's no direct pro wrestling tie-in there, but I am going to be traveling this weekend. I'm going to be at my in-law's house in Minnesota, and I am making them order a pay-per-view because even though it's a sham and even though Conor doesn't have a chance in hell, it's going to be, as Gorilla Monsoon would say, a happening. Have you gotten caught up in any of this uh, Mayweather-McGregor hype? And... And uh, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it's it's fun, man. It's 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 a circus. It's it's everything everyone says about it. It's a sham. It's a circus. It's a joke. But you know what? Like three million people are going to buy this thing on pay per view anyway because you just want to. It's as you said. It's it's and it's an event. It's a pop culture event. You want to be able to say, "I saw it." And I think for, for UFC fans, for Conor McGregor fans that can throw out things like, hey, he knocked out a guy in 15 seconds. He knocked out Jose Aldo with one punch. So if he can just get to Floyd once, he can, he can knock him out. And, like, there's, there's, little, there's a little bit of – there's a few nuggets of hope. There's enough hope, I think, that's been sewn in. And, and things like, you know, the stories leaking out about, you know, Floyd, you know Floyd's old, he's tired – He's had a bad camp. He's just, he's just not himself. And he's real shook up about having to face Connor. Like everything they've done is trying to tell you this won't be a sham. This won't be, a, you know, this will be a competitive fight. Floyd's going to go after him. You know, Connor pissed him off. Floyd's going to come out and go after him. He's not going to fight defensively like he always does. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, I think you inspire those little nuggets of hope that it's going to be this big epic duel. And it's, you know, the, the two greatest fighters in the world today going at it and, and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's bad to enjoy this. If you choose to enjoy it, it's not all, and it's not always bad to enjoy something just because other people enjoy it. I know there's quite a bit uh, for right or wrong put on like individuality and not following the crowd 
and all that. And that's that's good, I think, to tell children. But at the same time, if you're if you're a guy or a girl and, you know, your friends are all excited about it and they're going to hang out and watch it, you, you don't have to be the guy that goes, oh, this is lame. This is dumb. You're all dumb for liking this. You can just kind of sit back and watch the show. Like, that's OK. It's OK to like things and just want to enjoy them and enjoy a happening, as you said, with with other people. I think that's totally fine. I think there's this thing. I think you're totally right on there, by the way. I know it's shocking. It's rare that we agree. Uh, but yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there. Uh, I think there is a thing that all M- MMA fans are. We have to say, oh, we know Connor's going to get smashed. But there's that little s- secret place in our brains where we're like yeah but what if connor catches him and all to all all it takes is one one left hand he's just got to land the left hand probably largely garbage i mean nate diaz nate diaz is a pretty good mma boxer not even a professional a professional boxer and he worked connor with his boxing in the first time they fought uh (laughs) yeah I, I mean, it is probably a joke, but yeah, maybe Floyd got old. I think everybody's thinking, like you said, those little those little seeds of doubt, those little nuggets that they've they've done a they've done a pretty good job of planting, trying to put that doubt in your mind. Well, but what if? Yeah, and uh, yeah, I still th- I still think Connor's going to get smashed. <laughs> um, Floyd doesn't knock anybody out, so maybe it'll go twelve rounds or something. But I don't know. Connor gets tired after one round of MMA. I don't know how he's going to do after 12 rounds of boxing, but he's also done a smart thing where he's already laid the groundwork for his next boxing match with starting that beef with the, the sparring partner. Like it is going to be commentating uh, the fight for showtime. Like he's yeah. already laid the groundwork for his next boxing match. If I'm WME and I've just bought UFC and I got to make a lot of money every year to pay for the debt that I took on when I bought the company, <laughs> I'm real nervous if if there's no language in the contract that allow that you know stipulates that Connor has to take one more at least UFC fight. Which Dana White seemed to indicate that there wasn't any language in the contract like that, which is kind of shocking to me. But <laughs> uh, you know, okay, why would Connor continue to fight for you know even if he's making ten million on a UFC fight, which I don't think he is? Why when he can make? multiples of that for a boxing match and he's already laid the groundwork for the next one like this guy's this guy's on another level yeah i think (laughs) he's a guy who yeah it's it's i think it really is that that simple for him i think he's a guy who's going why right why would i come back and make five million dollars here when i can make you know as you said a lot more than that uh for for a, for a different sport that I am at least similarly uh, skilled in, so yeah, he's he's smart and he very much seems to be motivated financially, and you know willing to work with whoever will give him will give him that the biggest payday. And if that's not going to be UFC, then yeah, then they they probably should be worried. Uh, I mean, it's going to be real tough. I mean, their titles already, UFC's titles kind of already don't mean anything because there's 39 of them. But, I mean, the idea that he basically won and then va- you know, may end up just vacating both of his titles that he won, uh, I mean, that 
I mean, I don't know what, what draws are in the, the featherweight or lightweight division at this point, but it already probably, uh, you know, he's, if he's, if he leaves the UFC without ever being beaten for either of those belts, that's, that's a heck of an indictment on, on them. And yeah, if you're one of the, you know, you know there was a big, you had part of the, you know, the, the big Hollywood investors that bought a portion like Conan O'Brien and a million other celebrities uh, bought a portion. If you're an investor in UFC and you want, and you see the, the brat, the top brass of that company, let the biggest draw in pay-per-view outside of Floyd Mayweather basically just walk off to go do boxing. That's that doesn't inspire confidence. I wouldn't think it's extremely short-sighted. I'm sure they get a cut of the, of this fight, but my word, you know, going forward, yeah, I mean they they just I don't know. Well, that's uh, it's not the MMA life; it's the wrestling life. But it was pretty topical this week, and John Jones failed a drug test, so Brock Lesnar lost a big bargaining chip there unless he wants to go fight cpa miocic in uh, in ufc you think john jones drug test failure this week impacts brock's negotiating power going forward there i mean i can't see how it doesn't i mean like i said he's gotta he's gotta strike up a beef with uh with somebody real quick um and i i don't know i i i never really bought that he was leaving i thought maybe he was he would try to get by kind of teasing that he would WWE would you know agree to let him go do a UFC you know he would just use that to put put something in his next WWE contract that he could do a certain amount of UFC fights while still working for them um but yeah without without the 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 big money fight which obviously would have been him and Jones I mean I think Brock Lesnar fighting on pay-per-view is always going to be a big deal but I don't know that there's another heavyweight that really means as much uh, to him as as a fight with with John Jones would have. So, yeah, it's probably a, a little bit of bad news for for Brock's uh, uh, for Brock as far as bargaining. Assuming he was using a you know that UFC thing as some sort of bargaining chip for for his WWE negotiations. The other way to look at it is well, he just became a lot more valuable to UFC too who have lost John Jones now likely for years, you know? Very true. Um, and if he does re-sign with WWE and UFC wants to make another deal where they get to use him uh, even once a year or something, they, you know, UFC might, you know, might be willing to give WWE something in, you know, in exchange. Like a, obviously we'll, we're still kind of waiting to see what the, the four horsewomen do at the May Young Classic and, for you know a Ronda Rousey match, but uh, yeah, I'm sure WWE's. To me, it's felt like at least since the the first Brock fight when he came back in in 2016 is WWE's kind of like yeah, we'll let you use Brock just, but what are you going to give us? So and so WWE kind of holds the power in that case, as at least as long as Brock is under contract with them. Well, we went a long time this week. There's a lot to get to. As I mentioned, I am traveling next week, so there will not be a new episode next week. So we supersize this one for you. That's all I have. Liam, do you have anything else? Uh, just a minor thing. It's already in the show on a downer, but uh, I believe Dana Brooks' boyfriend died yeah, uh, oh, this week. So He choked on food. Like, that's the yeah. weirdest story I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's... Like, I don't, I don't want to make light of it. No, but my not at gosh. All. 
it's I mean it's the craziest thing and that's that's kind of the awkward things it's not he wasn't drunk driving there's no cautionary tale to come out of this it's just a freak thing happened um but just hor- horrifying news and best wishes to her and I my understanding is that she's I guess is setting up some sort of a nonprofit that I believe is is helping underprivileged children in his name which is obviously a a great great thing so I think you can probably head to her various social media sites if you're interested in in uh, looking into that but yeah that's just it, it I felt like we should at least mention that and just that's it's terrible and just you know best wishes to her and to all of his loved ones just uh, just a crazy freak thing well we hope to to be back in a couple of weeks with much brighter and happier things to discuss but thanks for joining us this week everyone and until next time i meet them and i'm liam and we'll be back very soon with more stories from the wrestling life good night Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. almost called sick out of our podcast (laughs) it's just not it's just not going well but cool yeah whatever i don't need the lambulance nobody cares everybody's an adult everybody's an adult life just gets harder and harder and harder and then eventually you die it's all that matters (laughs) my my dog hates sleep <laughs> he gets class for making him fall asleep. <laughs> there is uh we took him to the vet. We're like okay, he has anxiety, which I guess is not unusual for sh- shelter dogs and rescue dogs and stuff. Bless sure. you. God bless you, Archie. Um <laughs> and uh so he he paces a lot and they said he was crate trained and we don't find that to be especially true. And he escaped from his crate once and <laughs> <sighs> he cries in his crate and he 
plays by um, nipping, which, you know, he's not biting, but right. he is is at various times putting his teeth like on my face and neck sure. <laughs> and and when he stands up he's you know as tall as anna and <laughs> right all this wacky stuff so like what, what can we do about it yeah it's not behavior you want to encourage but if he thinks he's just right. joking around how do you break him of that right and he, uh, <laughs> i'm sorry mr archie uh, he has limitless energy too. Um, so we took him to the vet, and uh, they gave him an anxiety medication, oh. <laughs> um, which, as you can tell, is just working wonders. <laughs> Actually, it does kind of work wonders. It does put him to sleep eventually, or make him drowsy eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, you don't. That's not a permanent solution. Sure. And uh, Benadryl too, which is. Uh, kind of hilarious to me because I take Benadryl every night to go to sleep. Yeah, um, I think we did that for Linus, maybe. Okay. For, for, for how long? Um, just for a short time. Like I think it was. It was just, I forget exactly what the issue was, but I think he was just barking a lot at night. I think it's maybe when his eyesight started to go a little bit, and he couldn't really tell. I guess what time of day it was. So mom would give him. Uh, give a little bit of it at night and I think eventually he got back onto like a more normal schedule, but right. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't know. It's not really relevant to what your issues. Seem to be. <laughs> well, it's your turn to talk. So <laughs> you like that thing where I love that thing when people tell a story that's sort of vaguely tied in with what you're talking about, but in no way helps you or <laughs> really informs the conversation in any important way. They just kind of wanted to talk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That's what I just did. <laughs> no, and now cool. it's my turn to talk. <laughs> now I'll say some words. Uh, anyway, so... Uh, I missed the first hour, our hour and a half of Raw. <laughs> so we were at the vet with uh, this demon boy here. And, uh, and then... I only saw 90 minutes of Raw on Monday, and I was still... That was still about enough for me, mm-hmm. and then about ninety ninety minutes into SmackDown last night, I'm just like, all right, I'm I'm done. I'm done on wrestling for a while. <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah, Here, Archie, Archie, lay down. All right, let's attempt to do a podcast with my howling dog here. Okay. Yeah, I I, I thought the the Raw Women's match was technically fine, but I didn't. I thought the the lack of crowd heat hurt it. Sorry, I'm going to take a break here for a second. Archie, lay down. Here. Play with your phone again. Play with your phone again. Trying to get him to play with his flamingo. <laughs> I try to keep on keeping on. 